In our last podcast, we talked about a Sun Devil team that needed to do some soul searching during the bye week. But in their first contest, after that one week hiatus, ASU is really back to square one, still trying to find the formula to really get off the snide now in the midst of a three game losing streak. Is there any way ASU can stop the bleeding? We will talk about that, the debut of quarterback Joe Yellen, and even some ASU basketball as the season uh, tipped off last weekend. This is the Devil's Junkies podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town. Welcome to the Devil's Junkies Podcast. I'm your host and DevilsDigest.com publisher, Hode Rubino. And tough times in Tempe right now. There's really no other way to describe the current state of the Sun Devil football program right now. Three consecutive losses. The latest one, a 31-26 home defeat to USC. A game where Arizona State fell behind 28-7 in the first quarter. To the defense's credit, USC scored only three points the rest of the way. Arizona State scored in each and every quarter, but did fall short in their comeback attempt late in the game. And we usually start dissecting this game from an offensive standpoint, but I really think what happened with the Arizona State defense definitely deserves our immediate attention, if you will, when we analyze this contest. It's not only that Arizona State gave up 28 points in the first quarter alone, but it's also the manner in which those points were yielded. It started out with a methodical 11-play, 75-yard drive where the Trojans just grinded and poked holes time and time again in Arizona State's defense to score that touchdown. But the biggest backbreaker, or at least seemed like a backbreaker at the time, was a three-play, 98-yard drive that culminated with a 95-yard touchdown reception by the Trojans. This was a play that was completed in a cover two defensive scheme. And anyone who is familiar with that scheme knows that it's basically a system where you have a lot of players in space that should, in theory, prevent that exact play. If anybody remembers watching the game or watching a replay after the fact, there were three defenders near that USC wide receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown. And none of those three defenders were able to make a goal, to make a play to prevent the ball from getting to St. Brown, let alone catching him as he dashed towards the end zone. That was really the most disappointing defensive effort I've seen from Arizona State, not, not only all year long, but really in the Herm Edwards era. This is a system that at the end of the day has obviously the extra defensive back on the field on each and every down. And we saw in games, even against Washington State, for example, we actually saw six defensive backs up there for the Sun Devils. But you have the issues with the, with the pass rush. And I think as much as you hate to admit it, it might be a necessary evil with the 3-3-5 scheme that Arizona State runs to have that shortcoming. Now, sure, there's ways to compensate uh, with that. And Arizona State, truth be told, does bring extra uh, players on the line of scrimmage. It's not uncommon at all to see one linebacker, maybe even two linebackers lining up in the line of scrimmage for Arizona State. So the 3-3-5 is something that doesn't always exist in its classic form, if that makes sense. But nonetheless, pass rush has been a big issue. But again, when you look at a scheme such as the 3-3-5, you're expecting that in terms of giving up a lot of passing yards, that that really should not be a staple at all of this system. I mean, sure, you might give up 
the so-called dink and dunk plays, plays to the flat, screens here and there. But to give up huge plays, to give up four passing touchdowns in one quarter alone. And by the way, those touchdown passes were completed by a true freshman USC quarterback, Keaton Slovis, who ironically prepped here locally at at, at Desert Mountain. And by the way, Slovis set a record with 297 passing yards and four touchdowns, numbers that we have not seen from any quarterback in college football in the first quarter in the last 15 years. So some bad history being made over here by the Arizona State defense. So definitely really frustrating performance to start the game. Sure, it doesn't help that the offense went three and out in their first possession. So a defense that was just coming off a 75-yard touchdown drive where, again, the opponent is grinding them time and time again throughout their 11 plays. Now they have to take the, take to the field again. That's definitely not an ideal situation mentally and even physically to be in. But nonetheless, the Arizona State defense at some point had to deal with the adversity, and that definitely didn't happen after the first quarter of play. Now, I'm not asking anybody to not criticize the coaching staff at Arizona State for this performance in the first quarter because the criticism is definitely warranted. But at the same time, you would have to give some credit for the Arizona State defensive staff and defensive coordinator Danny Gonzalez, first and foremost, for stopping the bleeding and only yielding three points after that disastrous first quarter. And I don't know if I, if USC really was taking their foot off the gas pedal because it really was a one-dimensional offense through and through. They only rushed, I believe, for 70 yards the entire afternoon. So it wasn't like there was a balanced offense that were trying to eat up clock in some stages of the contest. This was a USC offense that was out there to throw the ball and throw it often. And as much success as they had in the first quarter, even to some extent, I would say in the first half, uh, the second half was was a whole different story for, for, for the Trojans. So I don't know if it's a silver lining because at the end of the day you lost and you lost because you put yourself in such a huge hole. But it was encouraging. I don't know if that's too strong of a word to see the Arizona State defense really shore up all its deficiencies from the first quarter and did to finish on a strong note. Now, I'm going to repeat a narrative that I think I already mentioned in one or two podcasts earlier this year, and that 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 this team is still a very young team. And I know it's hard to exercise patience in college football. There are a lot of teams out there that are more than happy to wave the axe on head coaches, coordinators, players when things go south. And with Arizona State, I think for now, the patience, at least from the coaching staff, really has been there. But I totally understand why the fans are really disgusted with a team that started out 5-1, and one, is right now sporting a 5-4 and four record. And when you talk at very modest goals as far as bowl eligibility, ensuring a winning record, as minimalized as those goals are, as those goals that probably a lot of fans think they should never strive for, those are accomplishments that Arizona State has close to no margin of error with a very challenging schedule coming up. And when you talk about the Arizona State defense, the same unit that gave up 547 offensive yards to USC are now going to face the number one and number two offenses in the Pac-12 in Oregon and in Oregon State. 
the order of the games is going to be reversed. They're playing at Oregon State this week, hosting Oregon the following week. And then got the ter- Territorial Cup. And even though Arizona has probably had more struggles than Arizona State by and large, it's still an offense that can be dangerous to defend. And honestly, if, if, this, Arizona State, if this Arizona State defense is not able to pick up matters pretty quickly over here, I think in such an emotional game against your arch rival, they might have a whole new set of issues to contend with in that last game of the season. And who knows if by then Arizona State is still fighting for bowl eligibility. Arizona State still has a chance at a winning record for the regular season. We all know the month of November is going to be a challenging one. And with the way the Arizona State defense has played as of late, it's making it even a tougher task to really finish the regular season on a strong note, on a note that was similar to what we saw in the month of September. Moving on to the offense, and I'm not going to spend uh, too much time talking about Joe Yellen's debut because we do have a special guest and former Arizona State quarterback, Woody Carpenter, who's really going to delve deep into the debut of the true freshman quarterback on Saturday. But real quick, I definitely think it was an impressive showing by Joe Yellen. As expected, had a slow start to begin the game, but finishing with 28 completions out of 44 attempts with four touchdowns, 292 yards, did have the two interceptions, only sacked once. I think considering the fact that he did not even have the entire bye week to prepare for this starting role, actually practiced just twice before the USC game as a starter, that is something that nobody should take for granted or even gloss over much easier said than done. And again, we'll talk to Reed Carpenter a little later in the podcast to explain all the difficulties that go with that. My biggest disappointment is with with the running game. And we all know coming into the season that when you have a true freshman quarterback as your starter, that he needs to have a running game to lean on. He needs that for support more than a senior quarterback would need, obviously. And it's just ironic that last year when you had a fifth-year senior in Manny Wilkins, who maybe did not need a strong running game per se just because of his own skill set, the fact they had a wide receiver like Nikhil Harry, but still received a school record season by running back Eno Benjamin. Now that you have a true freshman quarterback as a starter in Jaden Daniels or somebody like Joey Yellen, another true freshman who made his debut just last week, the running game, by and large, has been nowhere to be found. And granted, having two true freshmen start on the offensive line has brought its own set of issues, not only with pass protection, but also with run blocking. And that's understandable. But the fact that Arizona State does not have an offensive line that at least during some periods of any given contest can impose its will on its opponent, I think, is really an unpleasant surprise. They were facing a USC team that I believe was seventh in rush defense in the Pac-12 coming into Saturday's contest. And here we have a true quarterback in Joey Yellen having his two first plays from scrimmage called as pass plays instead of running plays by Eno Benjamin. And it's almost as if you signal to the USC defense that you're waving that white flag pretty early in the game saying, you know what, true freshman quarterback or not, 
we don't have a lot of interest in running the ball today. We're just going to take our chances with throwing it. And I'm not saying that approach was a total disaster because, again, Joe Yellen did put up some good numbers, but still not to have a strong running game supporting Joe Yellen, not to have even a balanced offense to begin with, I think really played into USC's hands. Now, the irony here, as I mentioned earlier, is that USC was very comfortable having a one-dimensional offense rushing for only 70 yards the entire game. And even though they only scored three points in the last three quarters, they still were able to come on top. So the one-dimensional approach worked much better for USC than it did for ASU. And even though you had two true freshman quarterback against true freshman quarterback, Keaton Slovis obviously had more experience than Joey Allen, so he could afford, if you will, not to have a strong running game, really depend more on his arm, and not be hurt by that. But there's no doubt in my mind that this Arizona State offense is not going to operate at the highest level when their running game is non-existent, when their quarterback has to have over 40 pass attempts, and Joe Yellen had 44. So that really hindered the, hindered the offense quite a bit. And again, I know people are sick about hearing about the youth, but when you have the youth that you have with the offensive line, that is one of the byproducts of it, where not only pass protection is not going to be consistently at a high level, but also run blocking is not going to be at a caliber that we've used used to see in, in years past, especially in 2018, when, you know, Benjamin broke a school record for the uh, single most yards rushed in the season. And that is just really, really hurting Arizona State right now. And then when you talk about, you know, Benjamin fumbling the ball twice in the last couple of games, Saturday's fumble, I believe, was actually in a passing play, not running the ball. But nonetheless, an issue that was really non-existent in 2018 has become all too common this year. And I still contend that, you know, Benjamin is very frustrated with everything that has been going on. He's not able to put up the numbers that he put up last year, not even close. And not that I was expecting him to break another ASU record, or his own record, I should say, this year. But I definitely did not expect him to have the paltry numbers that he has right now. And really, with that offensive line having its issues for several and several weeks, I just don't see things getting better for you know Benjamin and the running game anytime soon. So now you're stuck really riding the arm of a true freshman quarterback, whether it's Joey Yellen, whether it's Jaden Daniels, but that is what's going to define this Arizona State offense for the last three games of the regular season. And that is definitely not an enticing proposition to have. And time will tell if Arizona State can deal with that set of circumstances and really operate the offense at a much higher level and really at the level of its last two opponents. So as we know, the biggest storyline of the Arizona State offense on Saturday was the debut of true freshman quarterback Joe Yellen as a Sun Devil starters. And let's turn to our guest, Rudy Carpenter, to talk about how Yellen performed from his point of view and just the quarterback situation in general for the Sun Devils.
Okay, and now joining us on the Devil's Junkies podcast is former Arizona State quarterback Rudy Carpenter, who started an FBS best 43 consecutive games, has uh, the most uh, completions and uh, the most best completion percentage in uh, school history. And I don't know, feel as, don't know if there's any better person uh, to talk about the a, a true freshman quarterback starting at Arizona State since uh, Rudy, Rudy uh, back in the day was a uh, starter for the Sun Devils as a redshirt freshman. Rudy, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, Ho. Thanks for um, having me on. Hopefully I can uh, provide you and, and your listeners with some decent information. Absolutely. I have, I have no doubt about that. Um, I'm going to j- jump uh, jump right into uh, the uh, most burning topic, I guess, if you will. Joe Yellen's debut against USC, passing uh, for 292 yards, 28 out of 44 uh, completions, four touchdowns, two interceptions. When you watched the game, Rudy, what were your impressions of a true freshman quarterback making his debut? Yeah, I think it was um, a little bit better than expected, to be honest with you. Um, you know, Joey Yellen was a highly recruited kid coming out of high school. Um, he's more of a traditional, you know, drop back passer. And I thought, you know, just being a true freshman, not getting a lot of reps, it being his first start in a big moment, you would anticipate him to, you know, have a little nerves and have a little anxiety. And sometimes you struggle early on when you have that. But also I thought he might have a little bit of trouble just because of the situation he was in, meaning ASU's offensive line has been banged up all year and been rotating guys really all over the place. And so one of the things that has made Jaden Daniels so special this year is his ability to use his legs and move around in the pocket and throw from different positions in the pocket and off-schedule throws. And that's just not who Joey Yellen is. So I thought just by default with the offensive line situation, it might be a little bit of a struggle. But to be honest with you, you know, after the first quarter, I thought Joey Yellen did a great job. And I thought he settled in. He played really well. He made some good decisions. He made some accurate throws. Um, you know, and I, and, I, and, I, and I thought he did a nice job uh, battling back and handling that early, early in uh, adversity that they had to that they had to handle in that football game. So the for the first time this year, ASU had a true freshman starting the season opener, and for the first time in program history, we had a true freshman quarterback replacing a true freshman quarterback as a starter. When you talk about just that obvious lack of experience, an offensive coordinator Rob Likens admitted that throughout the season, Joe Young is not getting any reps with the ones in practice and only got, I guess, two practices right before the USC game, practicing uh, with the starters. Uh, from your experience, that seems like a monumental challenge to not only start start a game as a true freshman, but not even get that many reps with the starters. Yeah, well, there's no question about it that, um, you know, in college football and in the NFL, reps are uh, a major commodity, and, and you can buy, sell, and trade and do a lot of things with reps. And when you have a true freshman quarterback in Jaden Daniels, he needs every single rep he can get, whether it's in practice, whether it's in the game, um, even small things in practice. Like, you guys get a chance to see whether it's routes on air, 
throwing uh, one-on-ones against the defensive back, seven-on-seven, seven, you know, team play action and pass. I mean, red zone, Jaden, two-minute drill. Jaden needs every single possible rep he can get to get better. And who suffers because of that? All backup quarterbacks do. But who especially suffers? Joey Allen, because he's also a true freshman who's in need of reps in order to get better, and he didn't get those. And unlike a lot of guys that we see um, – you know, a lot of programs and or teams in the NFL do this when, when they have their bye week and their starter is banged up or they want to make a change because they're losing games. A lot of times they'll do it during that bye week to get the quarterback, you know, 10 extra days to get ready. But Joey didn't even have that. We, we knew Jaden Daniels got banged up in the UCLA game. But during the bye week and those practices, he was still you know, practicing to a certain extent. You know, it wasn't at full go. He was limited, but he was practicing to a certain extent. I think, you know, on Wednesday in practice, he threw a couple touchdowns. And so Joey didn't get all of that extra time to prepare with the ones. And that's very difficult. You're talking about a different guy calling plays. You're talking about a different voice and his voice inflection when it comes to the snap cadence. You're talking about an offensive line getting used to where he's going to be at in the pocket and how he moves around is difficult. Even some of the quarterback center exchange between the center and the quarterback can be difficult. And then lastly, you know, small things like, uh, you know, your your exchanges with the running back, your your tracks with the running back can be different just because a different quarterback. And so there's a lot of things that Joey didn't get a chance to do. And so because of all of that, and like I said, Rob Likens just figuring out how to call plays for Jaden. Now he's got to call plays for, for Joey Yellen's difficult and all the offensive line uh, problems, playing on national TV against USC, all of those things. For all of that considered, Hode, I thought Joey Yellen did a nice job. Now, I know that uh, when you started as a Redford freshman in 2005, your situation was much different than Joey Yellen, for example, because you played in yeah. nine games, but you only started the last five games of the season. Going back to your own experience, Rudy, I mean, when you look at that you know, last game that you came in as a reserve and the first game that you started, was there still a stark difference between those two games or just because you did um, play in all those games before you actually started, that game experience was so invaluable that once actually you were the starter, the transition was much easier compared to somebody like Joey Yellen who barely saw, really didn't see any snaps besides, I guess, one against UCLA. Yeah, that's a tough question because our situations are totally different. I would say that Joey Yellen's situation is much more difficult. Um, I look back at my situation, if I would have had to play as a true freshman, um, it would have been embarrassing and we would have gotten embarrassed in every single game. Um, even even later that year in, in the following spring practice, I was still pretty bad. Um, I made... I made you know, my biggest strides during the summer and fall camp. And so my point is, is I was nowhere near ready to play as a true freshman like Joey Yellen has had to do. So his situation, much, much tougher. I'd been around the program full, for a full year. I had been the backup for the first half of the season and gotten to play in some junk time. And then I got eased into that starting role, being able to play almost the entire second half of a Stanford game where I got significant playing time, but we were still down and I had success. And then I got a full week of practice as the starter. So our situations are totally different. Again, I think Joey Yellen's situation, much more difficult. And like I said, for all of those reasons, it's why I think he did a nice job. And, and one thing that we haven't mentioned that, that I think goes to, 
to to you know it's really a credit to Joey and his mental toughness um, and his ability to prepare himself is the fact he lost his brother you know earlier in the year and had to deal with that and so it's been a difficult situation for him and like I said um, it's a tough stretch of games for ASU um, there's not a game left on the schedule hoe that I look at and say that's definitely a win I think early in the year we all pointed to the game in Corvallis and felt like that would be a, a guaranteed win for this team but look right now that's not the case and and, and hopefully we'll have Jaden Daniels back but but again I just think people uh, really should should give you know Joey some kudos and a pat on the back for what he was able to do on Saturday. It's a very difficult situation. When, when you look at the game plan for, for Arizona State, uh, I mean, one thing that struck me odd, and, and you tell me if I'm right in my thinking or not, but if you remember the first two plays for Joey Yellen were, were two pass plays. And I thought that yeah. when you have a running back like Kino Benjamin and you have obviously a true freshman making his debut at quarterback, maybe you want to actually ease him in to the flow of the game and having you know, a Benjamin run on first down, maybe even run on second down. I thought that maybe in the beginning it put Joey Ellen in a difficult situation. Obviously, third and ten, he had to throw the ball. But I mean, what what are your thoughts about just that game specific game plan that ASU had with Joey Ellen making his debut? And just in general, do you ease a quarterback into the flow of the game, or do you really have to just throw him into the fire, so to speak, from the first snap? Well, I mean, look, it's easy for us all to sit back and play, you know, Monday morning quarterback. <laughs> and and I guess the reason why I say that is because I don't think there is a philosophy on how you how you break in a quarterback making his debut, especially a young one, whether it's in the NFL of a rookie quarterback or it's in it's in college, uh, a freshman making his debut. I think it comes down to the coach and the kid playing the position. Yes, there are some guys that it's it's much better to run the football a couple times, ease them into the game, uh, break them in slowly, and let them get a few snaps under their belt before you start throwing the football. There are some quarterbacks who want to come out there and throw that thing right away and insert themselves in the game. Personally, you know what I would have liked to have seen if they were going to throw early in that ball game is to give Joey some really easy completions. It could be a little swing screen out of the back. It could be a bubble screen to a slot receiver. It could be just a, a nice, easy little, you know, what we call a smoke route or a quick slant to a, to an outside wide receiver. I would have liked to have seen them just build in some early, easy completions that are confidence builders. I know for me, as a young player, one of the plays I really, really liked early in games was a naked bootleg where you're faking the ball to mm. a running back and you're rolling out to half of the field. The reason why I like that is because it's, it cuts the field in half. It's a half-field read. It's a low, high read. you got a flat route, a crossing route, and a comeback coming right to you. And if all else fails, you can take off and run and get hit a little bit. And for me, that was a good way to get me involved in the game. So really, I, I, I don't really think about the play call as much. It's more about what the relationship is between the quarterback and the play caller and how they want to approach the start of the game. So when you talk about the play of, uh, of Jaden Daniels, who looks like will be back as a starter on Saturday at Oregon State, uh, what impressed you about uh, Daniels uh, so far throughout the first eight games? Well, look, Jaden um, has been really impressive uh, from a physical standpoint. He's he's a good thrower. I mean, obviously, 
Um, every quarterback, even the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, wanted to improve their ability to throw the football every year. And Jaden's made some really good decisions this year. He processes information quickly. Um, he's, he's at times been, been accurate. He anticipates, he's what I would call a three level thrower, which means he can throw the bullet shots. He can throw the, the, the ball that has the short arc on it. And then he can throw the deep ball really well too. And so he's done a nice job, you know, moving his feet, changing his arm angle, being a creative thrower. He's done a nice job, obviously, as he develops more in this offense. And as he develops more as a quarterback, you're going to want to see his completion percentage go up. Um, I, I think, you know, and, and especially his completion percentage on deeper throws when he's got guys open, you want to see him give guys more chances. But Jaden's also done a really nice job with his legs and not just running the football, but moving around in the pocket, finding soft spots in the pocket, remaining a passer, getting out of the pocket again remaining a passer, making some great runs and some great throws. Um, and the thing that has obviously uh, stuck out to me the most about Jaden Daniels is just his poise and his composure, whether it's a big game at home or a big game on the road or, or a game with some weather or whatever it may be so far he just seems to be unflappable, and it's just such an important quality um, as a quarterback. And for him to be able to have it as a young 18-year-old true freshman, to me, has been very impressive. And last question, Rudy. Um, I'm not here to suggest by any means that there is or should be a quarterback controversy at Arizona State. If Jaden Daniels is healthy enough to play in Corvallis on Saturday, he should be playing. But now, when you know what you have in Jaden Daniels throughout the first eight games, and it has been an impressive body of work. Joe Yellen only played in one game, but very impressive debut himself. Now having two quarterbacks that you know can play well at this level, is that the quote-unquote good headache for an offensive coordinator? Or do you think, again, maybe quarterback controversy is way out of bounds in terms of a term, but can it maybe cause some issues that you think normally probably wouldn't be there as opposed to, let's say, two good running backs or two good wide receivers? Yeah, well, I've always been one that, uh, you know, is not afraid to tell the truth. And so I'll do the same thing um, with this question. And, look, the, the, the truth is, is there is no quarterback controversy at Arizona State. Jaden Daniels is their starting quarterback, in my opinion. Um, he's definitely the future of their program. He's a guy you can build around. He's the guy you can recruit around. He's the guy that you want to sell to recruits, especially explosive playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, that this is our quarterback. This is the guy we're rolling with. And this is the guy we want to go win a Pac-12 championship with. And so I think Jaden Daniels is your quarterback. Now, with that being said, I am happy for Joey Yellen because I do think he's a good player. And I do think he's a capable quarterback. And unfortunately, um, in today's day and age, and it's been like this for a long time, only one guy can play. And when you have two guys on your roster that can play and that can be starters at other major universities, you know, most likely those guys are going to take that opportunity or at least seek that out. And so I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if when the season is over that, that Joey wants to go um, explore some, some other options. I think that's more, um, of, of the case or that's 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 a better scenario in my view than, than a quarterback controversy I, I i don't think there's a quarterback controversy hold i just uh, i think there's more of a chance that they would lose joey yellen at the end of the year to a transfer than anything else 
Okay, Rudy, as always, uh, thank you so much. Like I said, I could not uh, think of a better uh, person to give insight uh, on the play of Joy Yellen and the play of Jaden Daniels, two very talented uh, freshman quarterbacks that I think we can both agree can uh, only enhance the play of the Arizona State offense, not only this year and years to come. Rudy, thank you so much for your time. I hope to do this again in the future. No question. Uh, happy to come on any time, Hope. Ah, yes, that unmistakable theme song that tells you that college basketball is back. Uh, not quite a March Madness, obviously, as the season just tipped off for Arizona State and the rest of the NCAA teams last week. The Sun Devils, as we know, started their regular season slate in Shanghai, China, playing Pac-12 foe Colorado in a non-conference game. And in that contest, ASU fell to the, by the score of 81-71. to 71. Arizona State was without two of its best frontcourt players, two starters, really, for that matter, Junior Romeller-White and sophomore Tayshawn Cherry. Both were suspended for this contest due to violation of team rules, and this is something that did take place back in the States. It did not take place in China, so both players did make the trip. Also missed an exhibition game that Arizona State had a couple of days before their regular season tip-off against Colorado. So because of those absences, it's really hard to glean much of how good or hard challenged this Arizona State team will be. As expected, they definitely uh, were not able to rebound up to par with uh, Colorado, losing that battle on the boards 48-36. to When you look at uh, points in the paint, Arizona State had 30, Colorado had 38, so the margin may be a little more respectable over there. Needless to say that Arizona State had to compensate for their lack of size with exceptional shooting, and that uh, simply was not the case. Three-point shooting actually wasn't too bad, four out of 11, but I would say the 11 attempts from beyond the arc are probably a figure that is a little lower than expected, especially when you have all those challenges in the front court, but overall, Arizona State did not shoot the ball well at all, just 38.5%, 32% in the first half, and that's where Arizona State already dug itself a hole, trailing the Buffaloes at halftime 42-29. to 29. The second half, we did see improved play by Arizona State, and just about midway through the second half at the 10-19 mark, Arizona State was tied 59-all with Colorado and the way the game was being played for the first 30 or so minutes, that was somewhat of an unexpected uh, result by Arizona State and really showed the resolve that the Sun Devils had coming out of the locker at halftime. But they were outscored the rest of the way 21 to 11 and the lack of depth again because of those suspensions for ASU definitely showed over there. It was definitely encouraging to see some of the veterans for Arizona State play well. Remy Martin, 23 points, 8 assists, 9 rebounds, so very close to a triple-double in the season opener. Senior Rob Edwards, a player that really uh, was not playing up to par last year because of a back injury he suffered really early last season. 
I thought I had a solid game with uh, 20 points, 4 out of 6 from 3-point range. Kimani Lawrence, who I think is going to be a very important player for Arizona State this year. The junior forward had 10 points for Arizona State. I really liked uh, what I saw from a couple of freshmen for Arizona State, and these are two players that Bobby Hurley has touted uh, quite a bit. Forward uh, Jalen Graham had uh, six points and six rebounds. And Jalen House, the son of uh, Eddie House, one of the best uh, players in the state uh, last year at the high school level, had seven points and three steals uh, for Arizona State in his debut. So definitely uh, impressed uh, with those players. I think maybe the most disappointing aspect was with the other group of newcomers, those who came from the junior college ranks. First and foremost, guard Alonzo Verge, another player that Bobby Hurley touted quite a bit in the offseason and I thought would be an immediate impact player for Arizona State. Real disappointing debut as Verge goes 2 out of 11 from the field, 0-4 from beyond the arc, scoring just four points in 29 minutes of play. And what was even... More uh, disappointing, if not astonishing, is that the two junior college forwards, Andre Allen and Khalid uh, Thomas, combined only for eight minutes of play and no points. And those are two players that I really expected would see quite a bit of more playing time, if nothing else, in the season opener with the absences of Romello White and Tayshawn Cherry. For one reason or another, that did not take place, and that obviously challenged Arizona State that much more on the boards. And I'm really curious to see if uh, the development of those two junior college players is maybe lacking, and that's why we haven't seen them play that much against Colorado, or is this a matter of maybe just a bad matchup in the staff's uh, point of view, and we are going to see much more from Allen and Thomas in the future. But I thought that was, if nothing else, a surprising factoid of this game if not really disappointing so again it's really hard to come up with any sweeping conclusions for this Arizona State team a because it's just a season opener and they did play one of the best teams in the Pac-12 a team that I think is going to be ranked in the top 25 for a good portion of the year and the fact that missing Romello White missing Deshaun Cherry is just way too much to overcome I know this team is fairly deep but that really was too much of a blow to observe for Arizona State. They really needed to resort to the so-called small ball, really rely on their uh, per- perimeter shooting, which for a lot of players not named Remy Martin and Rob Edwards was simply not there Saturday morning in Shanghai, China. And that's why Arizona State came out on, on the losing end. I guess this is a game where if you want to look at the glass half full, I thought Arizona State would really be out of it quite early. And truth be told, they were in the first half down by 13. But the fact that they were able to battle and uh, tie the game, like I said, with 10 minutes and 19 seconds left in the contest, I thought it was very encouraging to see the fight from Arizona State, which, again, was severely hindered. Uh, with with the absences of White and Cherry in that game. So that was definitely the encouraging part. But again, I, I just have to point to the uh, lackluster play of all three junior college transfer players who I thought would definitely be more significant overall in the makeup of this Arizona State team. On the one hand, you really can't worry too much about a season opener. But again, I, I thought it was just 
definitely a big time eye opener not to see those players play a lot of minutes and really play well, to say the least. So all in all, I don't think this was a result that really should discourage any Arizona State fan out there. You obviously would like to see what this team can do when it has the full complement of its players and also give time for the newcomers, whether it's the freshman or the junior college transfers, time to develop, to get their feet wet more and more playing at this level and see how they can develop as the season progresses. Arizona State's home opener is going to be Thursday, November 14th at 8 p.m. against Central Connecticut State. And their next game after that will be Sunday, November 17th at 4 p.m. as the host writer. So you have the two cream puff games in your schedule early on just to get everybody up to speed and get the team uh, playing together and better as a unit. And obviously for players like Romello White and Tayshawn Cherry to finally see the first action of the season and to see how they can mesh with all the returning players and the newcomers. So curious to see how uh, this team is going to perform over the next uh, couple of games if we do see improvement, even though the caliber of opponents is nowhere close to that of Colorado, but you still would like to see improvement in some of the deficiencies that they have shown, namely their uh, perimeter shooting, because those stats that they put up against Colorado, I thought were very uncharacteristic for the makeup of this Sun Devil squad. So I'm confident that Arizona State can bounce back again playing teams of lesser quality in these next two games. And you'd like to see the players that did struggle over there in China against Colorado to really bounce back and erase uh, the memories of a very forgettable season opener. Keep in mind that not only do we talk on our podcast about ASU basketball, but my senior staff writer, Jordan Kay, also has a podcast that's actually devoted solely to basketball called Pull Up Jays. Make sure that uh, you follow that podcast on Twitter and, and on our front page at devilsidus.com. We will always uh, post a link to the new episodes as they are published. If you're traveling down to the North Country Fair The wind sit heavy on the borderline Remember me to one who lives there She once was a true love So I wanted to conclude the podcast, bringing it back to football and talking a little about the matchup against Oregon State, a team that the Sun Devils will face in Corvallis on Saturday, November 16th. Kickoff is 5.30 p.m. Arizona time, 4.30 p.m. local time. And the Beavers are a squad that you can look at them and see that they definitely are improved from the last couple years where they want to combine three games total and here with three games left in the 2019 season they already have a record of four and five three and three impact 12 play looks like they'll avoid the basement 
of the Pac-12 North, something they were not able to do the last couple of seasons. But now the question is how high in the standings can they finish? So they're definitely plenty motivated to show even more progress in the last couple of years. And they figured that with Arizona State struggles, this might be the team that they can continue and have a fairly successful season against. It's a team, when you look at the statistical records in terms of offense and defense, they're ranked right around Arizona State uh, in, the, in the bottom echelon of most, of most categories. So I really feel that this is a game where I don't think any team has really distinct advantage over the other. Ironically, Oregon State is a team that had two losses since the beginning of October, but the losses did come at home. Now they did come at the hands of Utah and Washington, teams that are right now certainly better than Arizona State, but they might be feeling the pressure of winning a game at Research Stadium because it's definitely been a while for this team. And for Arizona State, it's a team that actually played really well on the road, I thought, especially in the, in the month of September, winning games at Michigan State, at Cal, but obviously later on in the season, losing at Utah and losing at UCLA, I think that road game magic, if you will, definitely disappeared for ASU. And this is the last time that Arizona State has a chance to win a game away from the friendly confine of, uh, of Tempe, even if they do go to a ball game, something that's very much in question right now, it's obviously going to be at a neutral site. So the biggest thing you want to see is Arizona State not beating itself and really correcting what needs to be corrected. And and that's not to say that you need to overlook what Oregon State can bring to the table, because I think especially on offense, it can be a very dangerous team. But you just want Arizona State to eliminate all those miscues that keep on repeating week after week, talking about the high number of penalties, talking about the slow starts. And you just wonder if the coaches can finally bake through to those players and convince them or show them the right way on how to not self-destruct each and every contest. That's going to be a huge uh, question mark. Herm Edwards didn't make it sound like he's going to do much thinking out of the box or really changing the coaching methods that have been used until now. And I'm not not saying that's necessarily a recipe for failure, but you would also hope that even though you're coming, at least in theory, with the same approach that you can reach different results, that doesn't always seem to be the case. But with Arizona State, you hope that this is uh, finally the week where all those cruel and frustrating trends do come to an end. When you look at the uh, two games that are left after that on the schedule, Oregon at home, Arizona at home, I still would point to Oregon State being the easier game, even though, again, this is a much better Beavers squad than we've seen in the last in the last two years. So this is going to be anything but a walk in the park. If Arizona State wins this game, they're definitely going to have to earn it. I don't have quite my game prediction this early in the week for that contest. And honestly, I'm at a point where I just really don't know what to think of this Arizona State team. It was one thing to lose on the road at Utah. That was to be expected because the way the youths are playing right now, their level of experience on the team, that was just too much for Arizona State to contend with. But the loss at UCLA and the loss at home 
to USC. Uh, those are two games that I think was really inexcusable for Arizona State to lose. Two teams, ironically, that Arizona State did beat last year. So it'll be interesting to see if Arizona State can bounce back from a three-game losing streak. Or to the most continue for the Sun Devils and give really genuine concern that this team is just broken beyond repair for the rest of 2019. So just like we said in the last uh, couple of games for Arizona State, the next contest will tell us a lot about Arizona State, and I think fans were not too happy about what the last two games projected or conveyed concerning the program. And we'll see if Arizona State has what it takes to, as we said earlier in the podcast, to stop the bleeding from a considerable gushing wound right now. To find all of our post-game content from the USC game and obviously all our content leading up to the Oregon State game this weekend, as well as continuous Arizona State basketball coverage with the home opener just a few days away on Thursday, make sure that you check us out on devilsdigest.com, at Twitter, at Devil's Digest, and to get unlimited access to all the articles that we publish throughout the week, make sure you subscribe to devilsdigest.com. I'd like to thank again our guest, Rudy Carpenter, former Arizona State quarterback, talking about the debut of signal caller Joey Yellen and just the quarterback situation in general for Arizona State. And our next uh, podcast will air after the Oregon State game in Corvallis. Enjoy the rest of the week, and thanks again for tuning in. I was living in a devil town didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down About the devil town